Hello, everyone. I'm Mike Claiborne, and welcome once again. Well, we've got another fun installment for you today, and it includes a gentleman. Well, he was Mr. Everything everywhere he ever played. He was an All-American in high school. He was an All-American in college. He was an All-Pro in the NFL, and he is a Pro Football Hall of Famer. The way he blocked and the way he laid out people, we just don't see on a regular basis anymore. But if you ever had to line up across the line scrimmage from Orlando Pace, it was going to be a long day and in some cases a long night. And if you had to play against him twice a season in the conference, man, you may have found that your career may have been a little shorter because latching on to the big O was nothing anyone looked forward to. We're going to have a chance to visit with him and not only talk about him as far as his playing skills, but about the newest member that's going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, his teammate, a guy he played with every snap in his career when they were in St. Louis together, the great Isaac Bruce. So we'll come back. We'll have a chance to visit with Orlando Pace, the Hall of Famer, after we take this time out. Hi, this is Mike Claiborne, and thanks for listening to ClavesOnline.com. And before we go any further, I'd like for you to take a listen to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's their vice president of gas operations, Eric Kozak. <laughs> That's right. I said gas operations because they're more than just an electric company. When you think about electricity and natural gas, how many natural gas customers do you have in the state 816,000 gas customers in the state of Illinois that we serve. That's so, a big number. It is. It's a, it's a big number and big responsibility. You know, we don't take that lightly and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a privilege to serve the customers in the state of Illinois. And, our, and me and my coworkers, you know, we take that very seriously. So if you think about the state of Illinois, anything but pretty much Chicago and the Chicago suburbs, is served by Ameren, Illinois. And so our service territory is actually uh, 44,000 square miles. It's bigger than the state of Indiana. That's a lot of coverage. And so when you think about coverage and we think about sources of energy, most people think of Ameren, Illinois for electricity, but natural gas is a major player in what you do. Yes, it is, uh, Mike. You know, natural gas, we, you know, like you said, Ameren, a lot of people think electricity. But Ameren, Illinois is made up of three companies that all had natural gas before, and those combined companies are a top 25 gas utility in the nation. We have over 18,000 miles of pipeline throughout the state, 12 uh, storage fields, and uh, 1,250 miles of transmission lines that serve our customers. That, that's a lot of property and a lot of coverage. So give me some of the uses for natural gas and some of the things it's being used for other than maybe being on a gas grill. Yeah, so I, you know, the easiest way for me to describe that is, uh, you know, I built a house about 10, 12 years ago. So I have a gas furnace, I have a, it heats my home obviously, I have a gas water heater, I have a natural gas dryer, I have a gas stove for cooking my food and oven. I also have a gas uh, fireplace which also serves as a little furnace for my living room. And I have a gas grill, as you mentioned, for cooking my food. So I got six appliances in my house that run on natural gas. So you're covered with gas, or in this case, cooking with gas. Yeah, I'm you're cooking with gas. gas, right. Well, when you look at his credentials, he was an All-American in high school. He was an All-American in college. He was a three-time All-Pro, a seven-time Pro Bowl, and, of course, a Hall of Famer, not to mention Super Bowl champion. He's Orlando Pace, and he's our guest, and we always love talking to the Big O. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, Mike, man? I'm doing I'm doing great, man. You know, uh, retirement has treated you well because nobody sees you anymore. You know, you've gone into seclusion. You're raising kids. You're running businesses. You were doing some broadcast. Man, your plate's so full, man. I don't know how you manage, man. I, I know. I think I'm ready for retirement from this this part of my, my, my life here, man. I'm all over the place. 
you never retire from raising kids no matter how old they get. So I'm just going to give you some preparation on that. Oh, absolutely, man. I thought I was retiring and, you know, chasing four kids around is uh, I'm ready to go back to work, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> you ready to go block somebody now. That's what you're block saying. Somebody. Yeah, I, thought, <laughs> I thought my wife had it easy, man. It's work. So, you know. yeah. And I'm sure she was happy when you announced you're retired. Absolutely. 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 Well, let's talk a little bit about um, leading up to where you're at now. And first of all, 20 years ago, I mean, do you remember that play? The catch. I, I, I do, man. I, I do. It was uh, with with Isaac. Uh, you know, that game is amazing. We were just we were around celebrating Isaac this past weekend, and we're talking about it's been 20 years since that Super Bowl, that game, and uh, it really forced everybody, everyone together. I had a chance to see Mike Jones this past weekend, who made the tackle. Uh, just seeing those guys, and we're forever bonded for life uh, with that game and winning that championship, and. Uh, you know, we 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 are on a group chat. We we call each other champs all the time. So it was a special special time in our lives uh, in order, you know, to win that championship. All right, I want to go back to what you were doing on that play when the play is called in the huddle. Give me the play and give me the guy you had to block. <laughs> wow, that's uh, you know, I think it was it was his last name was Ford, uh, number ninety two defensive defensive end, and I'm blocking him. I think it was Ace Wright or something like that. Isaac probably can tell you to play a lot better. But I'm one-on-one, and, and I, obviously I see Kurt release the ball. Well, I, you know, I, I see it in the air. And I see Isaac catching the ball. And once he made one guy miss, and Isaac was known for looking for the jumbo tron. And all he, he, he'll tell the story better than I could. But uh, I just throw my one hand up in the air. Uh, he said he remembered seeing that, and he knew it was a touchdown. And I just I, I just remember thinking, wow, you know, this is this is – this is this is it, man, and I was I, I couldn't be happier for for Isaac for making that play because I had you know obviously you know we were teammates, but then you know he was the St. Lu- he was the original St. Louis Ram when I first came on, so for him to make that play at that time it was a special time for him and our team. All right, so now you're on the sidelines waiting on uh, t- Tennessee to try and finish out the game, and you know I was talking to Isaac Bruce about the fact he said. Uh-oh, they got a minute and 50-plus on the clock, and they got Steve in there, and he's got the ball in his hands. Everybody had to hold their breath, I'm sure, for that last drive. Where were you at, and what was going through your mind on the sidelines? I'm watching their offense go to work, and, I, and I'm really good, you know, former teammates with, with, uh, with Eddie George. And it just seemed like he was running the ball even stronger in the fourth quarter than he had been in the first quarter. And, and Steven there was like Superman out there. Nobody could bring him down. He's making all these remarkable plays. And I could just remember thinking, you know, obviously we always have faith in our, in our, in our defense and just make a play. And uh, obviously I, when, when Mike Jones made that tackle, I didn't know if, he, if Dyson had got in or not. So I'm on the sideline looking at the referee to try to see if he make a call. And obviously he made that call. And after that, history make that big play. It's funny how everybody was doing something different. And, and here's an interesting note about Mike Jones. You know, Mike Jones was a running back in high school and in college. And for him to make such a form tackle uh, is really kind of ironic because that wasn't his natural position, that be a linebacker. Yeah, it, it wasn't. He, you know, obviously he, he came up with that play. It was, it was, and Mike was really athletic. And, and, and that, like you said, it wasn't his natural position. But he came up big for us in that play and, and kept him out the end zone. The weirdest thing about that is people, if you talk to Tennessee people, they thought that would be the go-ahead touchdown. And it, obviously, it would just be – we probably would have went into overtime 
or whatnot. But we all that that year we had confidence in our offense, so we weren't worried about anything. And, and obviously that was a big play of the game for us. You mentioned Isaac Bruce and the catch, and and the fact you had a chance to celebrate with him this weekend. Um, he finally gets here, and there's one more to go from the greatest show on turf, and that's Tory Holt. What do you went through your mind when you heard Isaac was finally going in the Hall of Fame? I, I was excited because I thought uh, he should have got in a couple of years ago, um, and because and, I've, I've I got a front row seat to see him work every day. We we're locker mates; his locker was right next to mine in our locker room. And the type of uh, the professional he was, the type of football player he was, everything that went into it, um, I, I had a firsthand account to, to see that. So obviously. During that era, there was a lot of diva receivers, guys who came out and spoke out. Isaac wasn't about that. He was just about playing the game. But he was competitive as I don't know what. So uh, for him to finally get a chance to get in the Hall of Fame, you know, it's special for uh, not only myself but our, our entire team and, and, and hopefully the organization as well. Orlando Pace, the All-Pro Hall of Fame tackle, is our guest. And we're talking about a lot of fun things, certainly uh, the catch 20 years ago. And by the way, I think you and Isaac Bruce, you, neither one of you guys have aged a bit in 20 years. I want to just give you that credit. What, whatever you're drinking, keep drinking it, brother. Hey, hey, what, hey. I, I know I don't know about Isaac. I wish I felt like I didn't age though. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, you know, obviously, life has been good for me, uh, Mike. I want to talk about Isaac a little bit more. You said you you locker next to him. Uh, a fierce competitor. And, and, you know, I'll take you out of the equation. He might have been one of the best blockers on the field when you guys hit the field because he could open up a defensive back as well as anybody downfield. Uh, we, we we talked about that this weekend. There's some guys that are still looking for Isaac today. If they see him on the street, they might literally fight him today. And I mean, I don't wonder why these guys would get fired up because he, he, he didn't talk much trash. If you notice in some games, Ike would go down and cut a quarterback. Well, he'll do mm-hmm. something like in terms of blocking, and people don't even talk about that. They talk about his route running, and but he used to get a, some DBs fired up and, and, and actually ready to fight him. Like I said, there's some guys now that probably don't like Isaac because of his blocking. Well, you know, I agree with you. Uh, and he and I talk about that all the time. And I always remind him, I said, you know, if you were playing today with the way the rules are, you would be playing up for free every weekend because they would find you virtually every play you were on the field for opening up somebody, especially on those downfield blocks. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't stand a chance uh, in, in today's NFL because they're looking at everything and, and safety and all that. Not that there were dirty blocks or anything like that, but he was just, hey, he, he, he was really helping himself out for the next play. He can cut a guy, take his legs out a little bit, you know, he'll beat him on a, you know, a route, on a deep route the next play because the guy's still thinking about the block or his knee or something like that. So. Hey, for you, um, you're a Hall of Famer. You've been in for a while. And I, and I know that um, seeing your teammates go in, what advice do you give Isaac Bruce or a new m- member to the Hall of Fame? Because their life is never going to be the same uh, on the He's field, never, off yeah. the field, socially, professionally. W- what advice do you give someone? You know what? That first year is a whirlwind. Um, I guess my biggest advice to him early on is how to deal with the Rams and get this party straight and make sure that they, <laughs> there you they, go. they come exactly. out of pocket. <laughs> make sure they come out of pocket and take care of them. And uh, that, that was the the, the the advice. But just try to soak in as much as you can really soak in. Because, I mean, to be honest with you, Mike, when you walk in that room and you see guys like Jim Brown, Joe Namath, you see all these guys, it could be overwhelming for guys. Because now you're a part of that, that elite group. 
we're trying to absorb, I mean, you know, really, really take in the weekend, um, take things as they come because it's, it's a, it's a, it, it's an exciting part of your life. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's hard to really describe that feeling, but just try to take in as much as you can take in, enjoy the process, enjoy this ride. Uh, and then next year you can just relax it back in, the, in those tiers and watch, uh, hopefully Tory Hope get in. Uh, for you, when you first went in, who was the one person that, as you just mentioned, you're kind of overwhelmed by because you're not only in the same room with them, you and him share the title of Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know what I think, and this is if you guys, if you poll every Hall of Famer, they'll tell you. For me, it was it was Jim Brown. You kind of see Jim Brown, and he's like, you know, he's just like, wow, that's Jim Brown. Like you're in awe of uh, you know Jim Brown, and, and and you know just the fact that he'll stand up and. We have this luncheon called the Nitschke Luncheon, and, and guys stand up and really talk about the new class that's coming in. That's a really special moment. And to see guys like Jim Brown, again, like Joe Namath, all the Steelers, uh, you, know, there's, there's a, you know, there's a special time. And you're just sitting there in awe of all these guys that you play with or you, that you watched playing growing up. Uh, you know, it's a special time for guys, so. Hey, for you, um, I want to talk about your, your career, and let's talk about this greatest show on turf team. You were part of that team, and while you didn't score yourself, you gave time to throw and you had gave holes for people to run through. What was the mentality like for someone like yourself who knew, I'm going to go out here and I'm, I've got 11 other guys with me or 10 other guys with me, and we're going to punish somebody today. What was that mentality like? Because – it was almost like you guys were toying with some teams and you could score as many points as you wanted to whenever you wanted to. When did that all start to come together? And what was that mentality like on game day? You know what? And I, and I have to give Mike March probably all the credit. He instilled this attitude in us and really made it all about us. Like we didn't care about who we were playing, where we were playing them. We had to do what we had to do. And we were going to go out. And he probably used this term a lot, fast and furious. But we just didn't care. Um, everybody was kind of coming to their own. Uh, and obviously, you know, we, we just – give us the ball with 30 seconds left, we're going to go score and win the game. And we were so cocky and – I shouldn't say cocky and arrogant, but we were. We, we felt like we could go beat anybody, any given time, uh, any place. And that's just how we felt about the game. We just had to go out and execute. We knew we, knew we were a talented bunch of guys. For me, uh, up front, uh, you know, obviously the life of an offensive lineman – you know, I don't. Nobody gets the credit, but obviously, if we score and we win, and we, we, you know, our stats are through the roof, then we'll all, you know, rejoice. We're, you know, you know, we're guys that were coming to their own, like Kurt Warner. Nobody had heard of Kurt Warner. Marshall had came over from Indianapolis, and he had something to prove. Isaac had been here for a while. I was a number one pick. I felt like I had something to prove, and we just brought all that together. And Coach Vermeil. Really, really was the glue that kept that together and had us believe in, in, in the true in team and the true service. You, you know, you talk about all those guys coming together. And for you, being a guy that was highly touted coming out of high school, coming out of college, and now you're in the NFL and you put your hand to ground against a guy on the other side. In a lot of cases, they were really good players because the best pass rushers always normally playing on that side of the field. What was it like for you, especially – I remember one game against Buffalo Bills, and here you are, you and Bruce Smith, and Bruce Smith was bringing his A game that season. What were those first few snaps like for you, and once you realized, you know what, I can play this game, I can play with these guys? Well, that, uh, that happened. Me and Bruce were good friends now. We talk about that game uh, when we see each other. 
And to be honest, this is another one of those things. Like, man, I'm facing Bruce Smith. And then obviously the first time, you know, we kind of go against each other. And then, you know, and I, I probably hit him in the mouth a few times. And, and oh, no, you did hit him in the mouth. I, I recall that vividly because he was bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that. And I'm like, you know, after the first series, I'm like, hey, this is Bruce. I didn't even think, you know, obviously he, he was well-touted. I didn't even think. I'm like, man, I'm just going to play my game. Didn't really care who I was blocking at that time, but I just wanted him. I wanted to, I wanted him to earn my respect, vice versa. And we just went out and battled that entire game. But after blocking a guy like that, it really gives you confidence throughout that season to say, "Hey, I blocked the best. Now I can go. You know, I can I can block anybody in this league." You know, Isaac Bruce said earlier that uh, you always respected your opponent, but you never feared him. And I, I'm sure that's the yeah. same approach you had as well. Absolutely, we 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 gave a ton of respect uh, to to our guys, but you know they put our pa- they they put their pants on just like we did, and we went out there, we're prepared, and, and obviously, um, you know we went out and battled, you know for for me, and I and I I think I I took that same that same approach. You ever play man? You ever go out with, with something on your mind, a chip on your shoulder, or something a guy had said or done before the game? That you ever, you ever go out and play man? You know what? It's always a controlled aggression. I did that a few times, and it never, it never really, because uh, you kind of get out of, you kind of get out of whack. Now, as a, being a good offensive lineman, you always have to play in the control, technique base, but have that aggression. But anytime you get a chance to take a shot at a guy, you know, take a <laughs> shot at him. But uh, you know, because you, you, sometimes you go out there, you kind of lose it, and you're upset, you're mad, you forget about the play, forget about the technique, and you end up getting beat. So, uh, you know, I think I've learned that at an early age, man, to just go out and play with controlled aggression and take your shots uh, when you have an opportunity. You ever have a guy you want to sell the score with like that? I mean, you you know, you were in the league for a while, and I'm sure there were guys that tried to get under your skin. Was there ever a a player, you don't have to mention them, you can if you want, that you just wanted to come (laughs) out and say, I'm going to prove a point today. I'm going to punish this guy where he will remember Orlando Pace even at his grandkids' graduation. Absolutely. There's one guy, and I'll say his name, and, and, and uh, Chuck Smith out of Atlanta. You know what? I, was, I thought you would say that because he, you and him had some real good battles early on in your career. Absolutely. Chuck is a guy that talked the entire game. Normally guys wouldn't talk trash, but he would talk the entire game. So when you say, when you, in, in terms of your preparation, you're like, all right, I know he's going to talk, but I'm going to give him a little extra this Sunday. And that's, that's the approach you with Chuck. Because Chuck's going to talk, and by the fourth quarter, if you can get him to be quiet, you know you done wore him out for the day. Cause he was, you were having uh, a good day. I was having and, a good day, absolutely. The, but he talked the entire day. You know, one of the things I remember about because he was a little undersized, he was a quick guy yep. coming off the edge, and if he could get under yep. your pads, he could, he could create some yep. problems. And remember, he was yep. at uh, University of Tennessee with Todd Kelly. They had a pretty good defense at the time, so he was always a yacker. He was, and he, and I think that's how he got going a little bit. And uh, early on in my career, I don't know if you remember Ironhead Hayward. He was there. Oh yeah, he would always come with a nice little chip, uh, and, and Chuck couldn't. He couldn't stand that. So we had a little <laughs> game plan against him early on in the year, and uh, but he constantly talked. But he, you know, he. Kind of, I think he brought the best out of me too. So I have, to, I have to give him a lot of credit for that because you know, obviously, when somebody's talking, you're gonna be a little, a little more wired up. Atlanta also had another defensive end, and I can't think of his name. Brady Smith. Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Brady okay, yeah, Smith. Brady he was a guy. Yeah, and he was a guy that I, I you used to tangle with that used to be fun to watch. 
Yeah, it was it was, a good, it was a good time. Like those guys, I played like he played with the Saints. Uh, but yeah, we always had some good battles. Uh, I think in National Football League, you're gonna face a lot of guys on that edge that can come, and uh, you gotta you gotta be ready every Sunday. Let me ask you this: um, Everybody has a game that they remember um, that they just felt like, man, everything worked. And while I know you were probably having your hands full with a defensive end, did you ever have a chance to watch Isaac in that situation where you would just look downfield and just say, wow, this guy is really cooking? And did you have a game like that you remembered that every time you made a play, you couldn't wait to get back to the huddle, break the huddle again, and go out and finish the job one more time? I think, you know what, if you look at that whole 99 season, it's tough. Uh, I remember Isaac against the 49ers. Who had a, he, I think he had a, a big game that year. I mean, that game. But that whole season was fun. Like, w- w- what you saw on, on tape, when you saw guys running down the sideline, you know, like a track meet, like those were fun. I still remember our first playoff game here uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. And that first play, we took it like 80 yards down the field. I remember thinking, man, you know, that that was fun. You know, the quick scores. The, you know, those type of things. It, it was just a fun season for us. And all those games, you can name one. Uh, Isaac had big games. or uh, I, You know, we were like, man, let's keep going. Let's keep this rhythm going. And, and, uh, and So that whole season was fun for us. You know, we, we talk about one-on-one battles. I think I saw you lose your cool twice uh, where it, it cost you. How many times did you lose your cool where the other guy had to pay dearly for it? <laughs> I think I remember those two times. I, both, I think I got kicked out of both of those games at some point. But uh, Mike Stray, Mike, the, the Michael Strahan and, and those those Giants, they, they always talked uh, uh, a lot of trash. I, I, those guys who talk trash I always got into my skin a little bit. And I had to sh- try to shut them up as much as I could. So uh, those, are, those, those are some fun games. Um, I had some battles with, with Chris Doman. I know he just passed away. Uh, last week, man, but you know he was a heck of a player. That kind of taught me, taught me the uh, you know the nuance, some of the nuances of the game, and just how he set guys up. And uh, we had we had a, a ton of battles out there. So you know, I remember one of the games you got thrown out of, and, and you were hot. I mean, you were ready to take on anybody, the the, the police department, <laughs> the fire department, the national guard. And I, I was watching the referee, and he had this look like. You know, I got to go tell this guy he can't be out here anymore. And it was just so funny in how he, I think he went to Mart's first and said, you know, your guy's gone. And I, I don't even think he told you you had to go. Somebody else went and told you you were out of the game and you had that look on your face like, I'm going to hurt somebody and I don't care what uniform he's got on as long as it's not one of my oh, teammates. Yeah. I, I, I remember that. I think Hannafin came up and said, I think you're out of here. I was like, what? <laughs> So it was. Uh, it's on. I think I ended up throwing my helmet or something. It was some. It was agnostic because the guy that I was even battling, he was like a second, like a third string guy or something like that. So I'm like, dude. And I was more frustrated with myself for losing my cool versus that guy than I was, you know, getting kicked out the game. I'm like, dude, he's a. We call him a jag. He's just a jag. Yeah, That's just a guy. Guy. Exactly. just a guy. Exactly. Just a guy. And I was like, dude, I can't believe I let this guy get to me. You know, but they always get the second guy, you know, that that, that retaliates. So. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Well, you had an incredible career for sure. And then uh, you, as you wound your career down, what was on your mind next? Because you were always a guy that had a vision about what did you want to do after football. You, you made good money throughout your career. And that's one other thing I want to bring up. 
you know, Orlando Pace, we knew two things were going to happen. A, he was going to be a pro bowler, and B, he wasn't coming to camp because he didn't have the contract he wanted. <laughs> but, but in hindsight, yeah, but you know, Orlando, in hindsight, the demands and the requests that you made were really apropos because you were the best guy at the position. And while the Rams had never seen a player like that, you know, I think when they look back, you ended up being franchised a few times, but at the end of the day, you were getting the money you deserved at that point in your career. Yeah, it's funny, Mike, you say that. You look at the guys that are, that are getting paid, and I know NFL contracts are through the roof right now, but obviously we're, we're probably a little bit ahead of our time, but it was just the market. And, and I had agents that understood the, the cap and, and, you know, obviously what you can ask for. And if you're, at the, if you're a top player, there's only a few times in your career where you may feel like you have leverage over a team. And I just think the exercise that right at times where, where, where it kind of worked out for me in my career, although, you know, the Rams still had that franchise that they wanted to exercise every single year, which I didn't, I, I didn't mind at all, but it kept me out of camp. But uh, for the most part, it worked out at the end of the day. And, and you're still the only guy I know that still has part of his signing bonus money from his first contract. <laughs> You might be right about that. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny when you talking about that Hall of Fame party, you want to make sure who was paying the bill first before you darken the doorway of that thing. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and we got to get the numbers right. Now, there, there you the go. Rams knew about me. They, they knew I was going to negotiate some, some, some numbers. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to go away easy. You know, yeah, the, the, yeah, we knew you had part of your first communion money and part of your signing bonus money still, <laughs> still left. <laughs> There you go. There you go. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why Orlando wakes up when he wants to and works when he wants to at this stage of his life. So it's all good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me about about some of the the ventures you've had a chance to get involved in since you retired. I know you were doing some broadcasting. I knew you had some other companies you were were getting involved in, even seeing you on some TV commercials. So, So tell me about life after football. Yeah, life has been good. I think that the the most one of the most gratifying things I'm doing now is uh, I work with the NFL and what we do. Uh, I'm almost a liaison to go back and find guys that, uh, that 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 left the game and they're having problems. That it really those guys that's living under a rock. Try to find those guys and 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 bring them back into the fold, back in their community, back into their their, their with their their ball clubs and things like that. Because a lot of people think when you leave the game, everybody leaves with millions of dollars and everybody's doing well in life, and that's just not the case. So uh, the, the the NFL use guys, uses guys like myself to go out and find those guys and bring them bring them back in the fold, put, put our arms around them, and tell them, "Hey, come back in. We got some benefits. We got different things that that you can utilize." So that's yeah, one of the most that- gratifying things I'm doing in today's uh, retirement. Yeah, and and I'm glad to hear that you're doing it because. Uh, people, we only remember them when they play. And, and a lot of these guys are out of the game before the age of 30. And there's a whole lot of living still to do. Some of them are educated. Some of them aren't. Most of them don't have as much money as they'd like to have. Uh, what seems to be the common struggle that you run across with these players? Is, were they just not prepared for life after the game? Uh, did they make bad business decisions? Did they not have enough real support and education around them in order to make sure they were going to be able to survive? What, what do you see some of the common challenges? I think it's a combination of probably all those things you just mentioned, Mike. I think uh, one of the bigger bigger things, and I talk to young kids, young players these days, 
is they think they have more time than they actually have, right? Uh, they, they think they're, they're automatically going to get to that second contract. And a lot of guys, as you know, don't get to that second contract. And then, obviously, uh, when the lights are turning off and, and you're not playing the game anymore, that transition is tough for everybody, uh, whether you're successful or you're not, because your entire life up to that point has been catered. People have been catering to you. You're on a schedule, and then all of a sudden the lights shut off, and you know the people that you thought loved you might not love you. Uh, you know, obviously you, you have to find a new passion and love in life. And a lot of guys struggle with that. Um, and they don't want anything else to do with the NFL. Uh, there's a, there's a multitude of reasons, but just, you know, obviously we try to, we try to decipher through all those things and get them the help that they need, get them the resources that they need and try to bring them back into the fold. So what the NFL is doing is a great thing. Uh, it's called our, our legends community and just, you know, trying to bring everybody back together and uh, let them know, you know, because there's a lot of benefits that's supported to the former player. and Just let them know what's supported to them and, and how they can use those resources. How many of those guys want to get back involved in the game and maybe get into coaching because they have life experiences I'm sure they can help prepare the next generation for? Yeah, they have different things like scouting. If you want to get into scouting uh, clinics and, and just get them, you know, going through that process, internships and, that, and those type of things. So guys always want to get into coaching. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of different programs that guys can get into, um, but we get we you know we have to find those guys and figure out what they want to do, and then uh, you know and kind of go from there. What else have you had a chance to do? I know you had a few businesses you were working as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I I, I own a couple of businesses here in, uh, in 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 St. Louis area, mainly just real estate, doing some real estate uh, investing and, and kind of growing my portfolio that way. The Land Baron of Missouri, Orlando Pace is our guest. And <laughs> as we we have fun with him. Hey, Mike Claiborne here. And by the way, thanks for listening to ClaibsOnline.com. Before we go any further, coming up next, I want to introduce you to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's the vice president of gas operations. He is Eric Kozak. That's right. They're not just an electric company. They're also a gas delivery provider. Now, when you talk about smelling and locating gas and the potential for you to have a problem. What are some of the problems and some of the issues a customer could have aside from as the eventual, perhaps an explosion of some sort? So what are some of the other concerns you try and maintain? Yeah, so our number one concern is uh, calling 811 before you dig. 811 is a national number. People will come out and they will mark the lines for you and let you know where your gas service is. So if you're putting in a basketball hoop or you're putting in a bush, Call 811, because if you don't call 811, you might have to call 911. <laughs> and we want to prevent that call. So that's the main issue is people calling 811 before you dig so you know where the pipelines are in the ground. Is there a charge for that? There's no charge for 811. <laughs> in a situation where you're going to do some work, as you mentioned, how deep do you have to go before you would hit on a gas line? You know, I if you're sticking in a shovel in the ground, you should call 811. You know, we don't, uh, you know, we put our uh, pipes in, you know, 24 inches for service and 30 inches, but landscape change over time. You know, different things happen. You don't know what the previous homeowner did. He might have took a bunch of dirt off. So if you're going to stick a shovel in the ground, you need to call 811 before you dig. And I just want people to know that, you know, natural gas is a clean, reliable, safe fuel. But like any source of energy, it can be dangerous. So if you do smell gas, you know, pick up the phone and call us. We respond 24-7, seven days a week, no charge. 
ever. And we respond on average within 22 minutes. Over 33,000 calls a year we get, and our average response time is around 22 minutes. And I think that's pretty good. I think it's impressive. So that's, that's the main thing is. And have your equipment checked out. And it's a wonderful product you can use for many, many years worry-free. Orlando Pace is our guest. You know, I watched the game today, and, and I said to someone recently, we may have seen the last two great offensive linemen in yourself and then uh, Jonathan Ogden. Uh, because you guys could actually run block. You guys could actually put shoulder on shoulder and drive a guy into the secondary. W what changed with regard to how offensive linemen are developed today? Because it just seems like all they are trained to do is pass block, and the other run blocking is more influence in trying to see if a guy was willing to go in a direction you don't want you want him to go into. I, I really think um, just the. the the timing of the way the way guys are coached these days are, are very different. Um, coaches don't have a lot of time to develop guys. Um, obviously, with the league, I, I probably could still be playing in the league based off of the way they they don't do a lot of contact during the course of the week. Uh, but I think the college and high school game with this spread offense, in my opinion, has kind of hurt the offensive line play because obviously they don't they they're not teaching the, the finish blocks and and stay on your guy and and those types of things. They kind of just all right, let's just let's option this guy or let's do something like that. So I think the physicality of the game has changed uh, from that standpoint. But in fairness to those coaches, they don't have a lot of time to develop those guys uh, in that way. I, you know, myself, Jonathan Ogden, all these different guys, we came up in three yards in the cloud of dust. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we had to put a hat on the hat or, or, or be more physical at the point of attack because we ran the ball that way. Um, now guys are, like I said, with the spread, it's not as physical, I don't think. But I think, you know, obviously they're trying to make the game safer and they don't want as much contact, too. So I do I do agree with that part of it as well. You, you know what's interesting? I watch offensive linemen and I look at the shoulder pads that they wear today. It looks like they're just wearing shells compared to when you played and other guys. And they never use their body physically. It's all about pushing and grabbing compared to, as yeah. you mentioned, putting a hat on a hat and, and driving a guy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Just kind of just being more physical. You can still be, even with the smaller shoulder pads, you can be physical. Guys just aren't doing that at the point of attack where you got to move a guy three yards off the ball. They're just they're blocking to a guy, not necessarily through a guy. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that's the major difference. And until we change that, and I don't know, you know, it's all circular. So it may come back to being physical ball and and that type of thing. But for now, it's just it doesn't seem like guys are blocking through. What about your youngins? I know you had some youngsters that are playing football a little bit. Are you out there coaching them, and and what are you doing on that front? Uh, I'm I, well, individually. I'm not. I, I, I try to coach my kids uh, uh, early on in their career. Once I retired, and there are some long rides home where we're just like, you know, <laughs> my son didn't say anything to me. I didn't say anything to him. So I said, let me just step away. It, it, it's much more fun being dad, kind of just stepping in and talking. Because my wife looked at us like we were crazy. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, what, you know, so it's one of those things. Yeah. My expectations are probably too high for him. I was old school, and, there, and this, new, this new age is very different. So he wasn't, he wasn't responding to, to, to my coaching style. But you know what? I, I had daughters, and I had a couple of those ride homes. And so here's what I decided to do. I, I would never bring up wins and losses or the games on, in the ride home. And the right. next day, I might ask him a question about what did they see on a play or what was what was that supposed to be? Because, you know, they're, they're so fragile now. 
that when you yeah. try and coach them, they, you know, the uh, first thing they do, they shut you off. The second thing they do is go tell mama that, you know, you're bothering yeah, them or it. you're not being a good dad or whatever the case is. But so at least you took the road of making sure you didn't keep this up because at that point, you know, when they turn 18, 19 years old and they don't invite you to their own high school graduation, then you yeah, know yeah. that maybe something went wrong along the way. Hey, my, I, I, yeah, I said, man, this is this can't last long. I can't. We can't do this for another five. Oh years. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't work for both of us now. Somebody, somebody say. Yeah, so, because you know, you know I'm still putting food on the table in the house you live in, so you know somebody's got to talk here. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, man. So yeah, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just a dad now. I like to sit back and enjoy and watch him play, and I'll, and I'll get pointers when. When uh when when I do and and uh, and kind of go from there. So, you ever thought about coaching some grown up kids at some point? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I've seen the grind. <laughs> I've been around. I've been around coaching too much. Uh, I've, I've I've seen the grind, the sixteen eighteen hour days that most fans or people don't see. Uh, I like to be at home and and I like I don't like people telling me what to do all the time or what I need to do or. Now I don't want to get fired every three years. So um, no, I hear you, yeah, man. I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm stick away from that. I'm gonna get away from that. A, a smart move on your part. You still watch the game at all? You still keep up with it? You ever watch any oh, linemen that really catch your eye? I do. Yeah, there's some there's some guys there's there's some guys that uh that I'm watching, and there's there's some really good tackles in, in the league now. Uh, Trent Williams, who didn't play last year. Um, but he's he's a good athletic tackle. Um, Kid in Dallas is uh, Smith is a good, pretty good oh, yeah, one too. That. Yeah, oh, yeah, he, oh, he's he's really good. Yeah, so there's some guys that's coming up that that can move, that's athletic, that does a, that does a really good job, man. So I'm excited to see the future. I always watch those guys up front and and, uh, and kind of go from there. So. Well, Orlando Pace is always fun to visit with you, man. I'm glad you had a chance to talk about your teammate Isaac Bruce, and, and you know I call him the silent assassin, as you mentioned. Uh, he didn't say a lot, but he did a lot on the field. And it kind of reminds me of you. You weren't a big talker either, but, you know, the next thing you know, when the player's over with his second and one, and some guy's the last guy to get up off the pile, it's normally the guy who was in front of you. <laughs> and, and it just seemed like it was the, kind of a rhythm we had a chance to watch over the course of time and to watch you and, and the gracefulness that you had as an athlete. You just weren't a tackle because you could have done some other things. Uh, it's it's always been a pleasure to watch you play and, and to see how well things are going for you after your career is over with because you can still get out of bed in one piece, and that's another good thing. Absolutely, Mike. And I want to say thank you, man, because you like the mayor of St. Louis, man. Whenever I need something, I'm always calling you, man. So well, you know, that's what I'm here for, man. Hey, I, remember, <laughs> you and I crossed paths. We, you, I was the first guy you met in St. Louis, and, and what's really funny about it you and Chris Pronger know each other really well. And he was the first guy. You remember when you checked in the hotel, he was there and he said, man, yep. he's huge. <laughs> and, and now yep. you guys are crossing paths because your kids are in school at the same time. It's amazing how things work when they go full circle. Uh, two guys that started their careers in St. Louis, basically. Now they have kids playing and now you guys are both Hall of Famers as well. Uh, it, it's amazing how it works. But, you know, my friend, anytime you call, I got you. I appreciate it, Mike. I appreciate it, man. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, he's Orlando Pace, the Hall of Famer. I'm Mike Claiborne. I'm just a guy. I'm not in. I'm not that good, but I'm having fun talking to him. We thank everybody for listening. Once again, I'm Mike Claiborne for Orlando Pace.